And so I became very dissociated and disconnected from my body because nothing, nobody taught me that. You know, not even traditional therapy taught me the importance of being really connected to my body. And so I lost touch with energy and just myself. Uh, the ones that we can feel, that's really what I like to focus on, especially with Reiki, because you can't hear it, you can't taste it, you can't necessarily touch it or see it, but you can feel it. You feel energy in your body. I encourage people and, and share this with my clients that it's worth looking forward to those moments of energetic, emotional release because you will feel like a different human being after. It's like an energy bath. Welcome to the Honor Your Aura podcast, a podcast devoted to learning about, caring for, and empowering the energy within, with your host, Kema England. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to share with you this podcast episode with Sarah Matier of Reiki of San Diego. Sarah is truly such a talented Reiki practitioner, never mind an incredibly intuitive and intellectual human. Her dedication to her Reiki practice and sharing Reiki and Reiki experiences with the greater San Diego community is truly inspiring. In this episode, she describes her shift from going to med school to becoming a Reiki practitioner and how that decision truly aligned her with her higher purpose and path. She also opens up as to how she has come to know and honor herself energetically and how that relationship has evolved over time. She also beautifully expresses the profound benefit in allowing people to create the space to feel and get in touch with their own inner feeling, taking time to slow down and take a break, and the practice of just sprinkling mindfulness throughout your day. So I'll leave the rest for you to hear firsthand as we dive on into this episode. I'll see you there. Sarah, I just want to begin by saying it is such a delight to have you here I'm really excited to learn more about you, learn more about your journey, your relationship to energy, and how that's evolved over time. I know that I'm personally in awe of you and all of all that you do for your own Reiki practice and how you share that with the community. So I would love to just begin with a nice centering breath so that we can just show that beautiful experience of energy and sharing and collective energy together before we get started. I love it. Let's do it. Okay. So for those that are listening, we offer this for you as well so that we can all come into a place that feels really centered and grounded and ultimately connected with one another. You know, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, Right, as we know, energy carries through time and space. So we'll just take a few deep breaths here together. Oh, and just letting that natural breath out be one that starts starts to bring some deep relaxation through your body, head to toe, relieving whatever might be carrying over from your day or even your week. 
And those natural inhales, inviting you to become fully present, fully present in your body, in the space that's around you, and fully entering into this moment that we're sharing together. So you'll find that the exhales just get longer and slower. And so too, those inhales as we come fully present here in this moment. And what I find is so beautiful is as the physical body relaxes, right, the energetic body has an opportunity to come to life. So I don't know about you, but even just a few breaths for me can be a beautiful opportunity to just reset and and come back, you know, physically, mentally, and energetically to the moment. And Absolutely. So, yeah. I find there's so much energy in our breath. <laughs> and yeah. it's such a simple, accessible, free way <laughs> of right? just cleansing and resetting yourself that I think we should all do it more intentionally, more often. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. And, you know, and it's like those little reminders, you know, and it's like the mental reminder and then obviously signaling to that, the physical response. And I always find what's so fascinating about, you know, this talk about energy and energetically taking care of ourselves is that it's, it's physically, eventually physically profound, right. But to have that dialogue, I think more with our kind of logical intellectual mind can really be an interesting one to convince it to do something that's energetic, that we might not have like the instantaneous well, we have the instantaneous feeling proof, but because of its subtle nature, it can be more challenging to um, invite in as a daily practice. But yet, again, yeah. said so so simple. And Sarah, I would just love you know to to hear from to hear from you about kind of just how you've you've expanded into your kind of knowledge and awareness of concepts like breath and like Reiki and, and how that really began for you. How did you come to know yourself energetically, so to speak? That is such a great big question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I really want to say that the majority of my life, I've been pretty dissociated and disconnected from my body. Uh, I can recall as a kid being very in tune, uh, and, and just very aware, not necessarily of my breath. And I don't think I was even really conscious that I was conscious, (laughs) uh, but I was just so embodied inside of my experience and my intuition. I mean, I, I still sometimes wish I could reach back into my three-year-old self and pull that. That's what I strive to be when I'm older is my three-year-old self. (laughs) (laughs) I was just so connected energetically. And I think also just so connected to ethereal energy that it was just there. It wasn't something I had to search for or something I had to cultivate. Uh, So I have such fond memories of that and also being connected to plants that I have really strong memories of just laying in the grass and 
you know, some people would call me crazy, but talking to trees and being able to hear their stories and hear basically just their entire life, their existence, and I could feel their emotions. It was the most fascinating thing. And I even remember being young thinking, am I making this up? (laughs) I don't know if I'm actually sensing this, but it was just, it's something that I couldn't make up. Uh, So I remember that. And then as my life progressed, just becoming more so socially brainwashed into thinking that that's crazy and nobody can talk to trees and, uh, Mm -hmm. energy wasn't really as mainstream, uh, in knowledge as it is becoming now. And Mm -hmm. so I became very dissociated and disconnected from my body because nothing, nobody taught me that, you know, not even traditional therapy taught me the importance of being really connected to my body. And so I lost touch with energy and, just myself in general. And what got me back into it really strongly was yoga. Mm -hmm. Uh, I find that that's been so mainstream for long enough now that it's a really good door to open. You know, it's easy to just kind of put your foot in the door and go, okay, yoga, it's the physical body. It's really good for your organs. It's really good for your muscles. It's good for strength and flexibility. And so that was such an easy opening for me to start diving into this stuff. And, um, and then from there, I just, you know, you see crystals in classes and some of the yoga instructors start talking about this mind body connection and they start incorporating chakras. And so I just started to hear it more. It was in my space more. Uh, and it wasn't until I started getting more focused on Reiki, just from being connected. I actually have quite a, an odd, storyline or timeline in my life of being very, very Western focused. I was pre-medical and on my way to be a neurosurgeon. So I was very focused in science, empirically supported evidence. (laughs) Uh, And then through my own kind of traumas in my life, uh, reached a point where I was raised Catholic, but I reached a point where I did not identify with God and just this whole idea. Now, this is one phrase that stuck with me and I can't remember where I heard it, but I remember so many different people saying things along the lines of where was God when I blank or where was God when this happened to me? And I'd gone through some pretty uh, intense moments in my life. And those were the narratives that were stirring in my mind. Where was God when this happened to me? Mm-hmm. And so I swung the other way really hard and became pretty atheist for a while where I just rejected religion, rejected anything spiritual. And yoga is really what opened that door where I started to hear a different language that wasn't so institutionalized. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't religion. It was this different kind of new age spirituality. Uh, and from there just, yeah, found Reiki, found crystal therapy, found, uh, found myself really to be true and honest with myself. I found what was sitting there underneath the surface the whole time, but I was so hardcore rejecting. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I can completely relate to that. I know that I would like, before I had the proper dialogue or knew how to use it, it was like, I was just, yeah, I felt very like bombarded with frustration or anger or yeah, really challenging times utilizing, you know, words like God and because of the association and yeah, personal experience. But yeah, thank goodness, you know, for, for, I think 
the, the language of yoga and then, and then these other practices, because it's so freeing. I think when you actually have words to describe what you're experiencing energetically, when the typical language that we're using is just like physical body and material reality observances, mm-hmm. you know? Um, well, and so that's, that's amazing. And so what, and I, I love hearing that piece of your story, how you really did make that, that shift from things having to have that scientific proof and, and to really be bold and make that shift for yourself. I can only imagine how profound that must have been. Yeah. I've gotten to a point where I recognize that science is very slow and there are certain aspects of my Reiki practice, but also just my spiritual healing practice that I still don't understand, but I've come to acceptance of there are just some things that I don't think I'm ever going to understand. And I don't think science has the tools or the ways to explain certain things like energy. How do we measure energy aside from a frequency meter that you can hook up to a crystal or to an object and get the particular frequency it's at? We can't see energy. We can't see sound, but we can hear sound. We can't hear light, but we can see light. It's all just different wavelengths. And some things can, you know, each wavelength can be experienced through a different sense of the body. So some we can hear, some we can feel, some we can taste or touch. Uh, The ones that we can feel, that's really what I like to focus on, especially with Reiki, because you can't hear it, you can't taste it, you can't necessarily touch it or see it, but you can feel it. You feel energy in your body. And I think that's what the first half of my life or kind of the middle chunk of my life was really about in being so disembodied and so focused on the mind and kind of just being so analytical and overthinking everything, being so stuck in my head. I was just this head attached to a body and I did not realize that there's a channel between the two. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And so how did that, you know, evolve where, you know, cause I think that that's what's so interesting, you know, we kind of have a guidebook for how to take care of ourselves physically, you know, but I think even that takes some effort, you know, to learn about our physiology and to learn about our health. Um, so, and then to, to, you know, to then take it a step further and say, wow, I also have these emotions and I have these thoughts. And then I have this energetic part of me that is, this, you know, the subtle, how, how did you kind of make that, that transition to say these other, you know, parts of myself are like, are worthy of being cared for? Yeah, I'd say the two biggest things that I really had to acknowledge, one is awareness, Mm -hmm. just being aware that they're there in the first place. Uh, and before you even have the awareness, because sometimes you can't feel it. If you've been disembodied or disconnected for the majority of your life, it's just kind of blind faith that all these people are saying that I should be feeling something. So (laughs) I'm going to keep connecting with my body and listening until I actually build that connection and build the sense of awareness. But another thing that, and I think this is something that a lot of people battle is fear being really afraid of feeling Mm -hmm. because most of the emotions that, you know, aside from, if you look at the main emotions that we experience as a human, the only one that's positive is joy. 
and I'm talking about the main seven emotions, but having, you know, sadness, having, uh, anger, those are not fun emotions to experience in the body. And so I think also as a society, we're kind of told to lock them up or not really taught what to do with them. And so we just naturally learn, Oh, well, we just kind of stuff those into the background. Well, what do you do when you lose um, someone to death? Mm-hmm. How do you process that grief? How do you feel that? Well, nobody gives you a roadmap for that. So I'm just going to step it and store it. I'm going to put it on the table over here and I'm going to keep going through the motions of my life and I'm not going to look at it. Or maybe every once in a while I'll look at it when it becomes so overwhelming and I, I have no choice but to look at it, but I'm just going to keep going through the motions until maybe it goes away or maybe it doesn't go away. I don't know. Uh, but there's so much fear that I had around actually feeling the emotions, taking them off the table and you know, having the awareness of what do I do with them? How do I process these emotions? And I learned that embodiment really is such a key component of that. You have to actually let your body do what it's good at. Your body is what processes emotion because you experience emotion in your body. You don't really experience it in your mind. You do have thoughts uh, as kind of judgments or uh, as a result of what your body is telling you, but your emotions are experienced physically in your body. So the only way to release those, in my opinion, effectively is by letting your body do that work. So that's why I think yoga is absolutely phenomenal. I cannot tell you how many pigeon poses I have cried my way through. (laughs) I feel you on that one. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's just all the stuff that gets stored in our energy. And it's as simple as that, as stretching and opening the body and holding space for it. And then all of a sudden you feel these emotions flood up to the surface and you don't have to do anything with them. You just have to observe them and feel them and let them release. Right. And sometimes you know where they're coming from. And a lot of times we don't, you know, Mm -hmm. and and that's why I give, you know, like people that, you know, clients that come in for session or even anyone that comes to a yoga class so much credit, you know, because you're really showing up not knowing what is going to arise or what's ready to be processed and, and to really take that step. Because I find, you know, I'm sure that you do the same, like, that's really what happens on the Reiki table, you know, someone is is lying down, and whatever has kind of been left, you know, not that it's all going to come up at once, but little by little, the, you know, the pieces that have been stored away have their opportunity to be seen and to be processed. And that can be, uh, you know, even though Reiki is so relaxing and nurturing, it's like that those those feelings can be really intense, especially if we've been estranged from our ourself in that way. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't think we give us enough credit to the fact that our mind isn't the only part of us that's experiencing our life. Our mind is attached to a physical body. <laughs> so <laughs> our body is going through literally everything that our mind is going through, yet we hold so much space for our mind and I, I don't think enough for our body. And so I experienced that a lot of times with my clients too, that this, the moment they walk into my room and sit down in the chair, just being in a highly charged energetic space, They don't even say one word and they just start crying and they go, I don't even know why I'm crying right now. And I look forward to those moments for myself, but also for my clients, because I can just see their posture change. I can see their breathing change. They walk out 
almost standing taller, like this weight has been lifted from them. And so I really encourage people and, and share this with my clients that it's worth looking forward to those moments of energetic, emotional release, because you will feel like a different human being after it's like an energy bath. <laughs> it's yeah, like clearing out fun, like to say. Yeah. Yeah, completely. And you come back to a more integrated version of you and we, and, and just like that awareness that, wow, I am like so much is able to happen in complete stillness and without, with the very, you know, and that's the natural process. And one that our, you know, our beingness actually wants to experience, you know, even whatever the range of the emotional processes or whatever the range of what arises during that time. Yeah. To feel lighter, to feel more integrated. And these are all energetic feelings, which I just find so fascinating. And I don't know about you, but I'm just seeing more and more just a natural ability amongst clients to be able to distinguish that, you know, to be able to put into a verbiage what, what they, what they're actually feeling energetically as, you know, and, and to be able to just have that as a companion, I think moving through life is just such a gift. It really is. And I like that you're talking about language because I feel like especially for men, it's not even sometimes that they don't have the language. It's almost just that they haven't practiced it. And the spiritual side of me wants to go, well, their throat chakra needs to open. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but even beyond that, I've had this experience in my life where I have so much built up inside of me and so much I want to say that I just don't even know how to say it. And so I even just find benefit in talking. I mean, I think that's where talk therapy was kind of structured around and the benefits of that. But if we can say something out loud that we're feeling on the inside, yes, it energetically releases some of it, but also it, it builds that connection within and it gives you the opportunity to sort through whatever's been going on in your mind and your body. And if it's just going on in the background, you keep stepping it down and repressing it. It's not going anywhere. It's literally just circulating inside of your energy. So I found for myself so much benefit in just talking. Uh, I have a friend who we voice message each other every single day, multiple times throughout the day. And, and often it's just rants, you know, it's like we've become each other's verbal diaries. <laughs> uh, and I find a ton of benefit in journaling as well, but there's a different element to this, uh, talking to a journal versus talking to another human. And she doesn't even have to necessarily listen to it, but it's just the act of saying what's going on inside of your mind or your heart out loud. I feel like a completely different human being. I could be going through something really challenging or feel completely pent up. And I know I just need a voice message. Give me five minutes. I'm going to rant all of this out and then I'm going to feel a thousand times better. I find that really helpful. Even when I find like my mind is going somewhere that I know is ridiculous, varying conversations, even within your own mind. So to be able to have someone that you can just like let that out. And then you can kind of come back to like what feels more like a resonant truth. 
Yeah. There's so many times where I'm saying something out loud and I hear myself and I go, Oh my God, did I just say that? And it it takes the power away from it when you say it out loud. It's the most phenomenal thing. Uh, I just watched the new, uh, Mr. Rogers movie. I don't know if you watched it yet, but there's one line in it. He says, anything that is mentionable is manageable. Ooh. I know. Right. I love it. And it's this whole idea that if you can say it out loud, if you can communicate it to someone, it takes the power away from it. You now can work with it. You now can uh, find a solution or, or just get that energetic dump that you were looking for. Right. And how many words, I mean, words, I mean, I could go on forever because yeah, I mean, a, not only are they holding energy, but they're telling a story about, you know, our past experiences, about our future anticipations. And then all of the words, you know, I think a lot of our, you know, our healing has to do with like, yes, like the verbiage that we're using to describe something that has perhaps happened to us or a situation or whatever the case may be. And then, you know, and then to other people, we're not always able not only to say the things that we want to say, But then even if we say the things we want to say, we have no control over how it will be received. And it's just such a huge energy that where does it all go? You know, and and that's one of the biggest challenges that I face in honoring my own energy is taking away the responsibility of how other people are going to respond to it. Now, it is my responsibility to make sure I'm delivering it in a way that's in the most alignment for my intention and to make sure that I'm in alignment with my own values and my virtues. So I'm not just being mean or harsh towards someone, but recognizing that you're trying to mute or dim your truth and what your energy or your body is telling you simply because you're afraid. So here we come back to that fear thing. You're afraid of how it's going to be responded to. Well, that that's a boundary that needs to be set. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and right within, and with our, within ourselves and with how we're kind of navigating the world. And, and I even find that too with clients, I'm so, I mean, I think everyone has their own language. I've kind of come to come to know, right. Like the language I use with, you know, let's just say like a football player, or a football coach dad is not the same language that I'm going to use with, you know, a Reiki practitioner coming in for a session. Right. But Mm -hmm. either way, the common thread that I, that I've come to, you know, honor is focusing on words that express someone's potential, even if it's based off something that you, you know, observe to be like limiting, you know, or something that needs to be worked on, but to to use a verbiage in that in that post session you know dialogue that that is actually like expanding and empowering because I, I find that that's one of the big things that that happens I you know it's like in any kind of client and practitioner relationship but you know especially when someone's coming for for energy work you know you, to have a dialogue that is em, empowering to the persons that, that is receiving and not, not debilitating, <laughs> you know, like words like yeah. without any sort of, without any sort of guideline, you know, or any sort of, 
um, way to work with that energy because it's really interesting. You know, it's like our mind, you know, if I go through a session, I can, it's, it's just interesting what we'll, what we'll pick up on. And I know that I'm so, so mindful about that, even when I'm teaching Reiki courses about how is it that we express what we pick up on or what we intuit and what, what we're feeling, because I know that whenever I go and receive a session, I hold on to the, <laughs> to the words that are being said, because I know that they're so like in an essence, like deeply connected to spirit, or that's what I assume. But that, you know, it's, it's just a really interesting territory because we, we hold on to the words that other people say, I think pretty dearly, especially when they tend to be of that maybe, uh, you know, denser vibration. Yeah. Yeah. I think language, uh, it's all saying the same core fundamentals, but making sure that you're using the appropriate words because every words have connotations to them, which thus translates meaning and vibration. It's energy. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important to be really clear about what it is that you're communicating to people. And also it's something really fun. I've been paying more attention to lately is really paying attention to what my intuition is saying, what my heart is saying in that communication, because I can have someone come in to my practice and say, I want to have a scientific medical experience and I can give them that experience. But sometimes my heart is telling me that's what they're comfortable with, but they really want (laughs) to start opening that door to the more metaphysical spiritual realm. And so finding a way of just implicitly trusting what my body is saying, it really all for me comes back to my body. That's where my intuition comes through. If my body says yes, if my body says no, uh, and I just let that channel open and I start to say all these words. And sometimes my conscious mind is kind of hanging out in the background going, what are you doing, Sarah? Why are you saying angels and archangels and spirits when this person wanted a, a, a strictly scientific experience? But then I just watch how it hits them and how it resonates inside of them. And it really is just finding what resonates within your body. It's incredible. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so how, you know, this is an, this is an interesting, uh, conversation because how, like, I find it really distinguished, right. If we come to know like what is a yes and what is a no, do you, can you put that into words? Like, how do you know when something is a yes? Yeah. So I, I'll give you my specifics for my body, but I also want to be clear that this is just my body. Everyone will experience yes and no differently. And that's really important to cultivate whatever that feels like for you. Um, I actually learned this by using a pendulum. Uh, so when I would ask a pendulum different questions, yes or no questions, it got to a point where I started to predict what the pendulum was going to say because I felt it in my body. And then that's when I realized, Oh, I don't need the pendulum anymore. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, yes, my mind can analyze, okay, it's moving this direction. So that's a yes. It's moving in a circle. That's a, you know, that's a no. Uh, but then it eventually got to a point where I can feel the energy shift inside of my body. So I actually recommend that to a lot of people to start playing around with that because it's a good training wheel in that sense. Uh, for me, a yes feels now these are gonna be very ambiguous words it feels because it's energy it's not as tangible it feels more open so I don't feel my body tense up at all my heart feels more open um my body feels relaxed 
if I feel a no, it's like a constriction inside of my stomach and inside of my chest, but it is so incredibly subtle that it, I have to really be paying attention to it. The more that you work with it in practice, it, it, it's almost like you just hear it in your head and it's your body and your mind and body channel is just so open and communicative that you just know it right away and it's automatic. But in the beginning, I had to be just so mindful about any sensations uh, and even embodiment. Uh, I did embodiment sessions with a dear friend of mine, Megan. She's phenomenal. She taught me to, to not go searching for an answer because often when we lay in, in a meditation or if, let's say we want to get an intuitive feeling and we're trying to tune into our intuition, we can get so mentally involved in that conversation with our body that we start to kind of cloud the difference between, well, is that really my intuition? Is my body really saying that? Or is my mind just searching for it? And so for several of our sessions together, nothing came up. And that was the whole goal. That's the point of don't go searching for it. It's better to have nothing come up for 10, 20 sessions to know that when something does come up, it's actually authentic. It is your body communicating. It's not your mind influencing it. Wow. That, yeah, that's so huge. And I'm sure that, that, you know, this kind of, this kind of awareness, I mean, given we're working in this realm of, of energy, right. And I think it's so beautiful just to know that you are, you know, take like exploring yourself in that way. Right. Because I, I think that as practitioners, we have to always be, you know, exploring the ways in which we a get to know ourselves better, but also be like, take care of ourselves and, and work on, you know, and work on the, the depths and also the expansiveness of our, of our beingness. I think, I mean, for me, that's, that's, it's exciting, you know, and for, I'm just curious about you, you know, with your, with your current practice or just even your life utilizing these different ways of navigating your energy. What is a yes? What is a no? Or even, you know, there's so many different things that we experience throughout the day energetically, like overwhelm or depletion. And how have you kind of come to, to like honor that within, you know, yes, you're like you're within your professional practice and, and even just in your life. A lot of trial and error. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's been a lot of uh, what's felt like, you know, face smacking against the wall moments of kind of recalibrating and going, all right, I didn't listen to my body and look right. what happened. I got sick or yeah. uh, I'm completely uninspired and depleted and I'm burned out and I don't want to do anything anymore. And then I would review back I'd backtrack, like, what were the last few days like? What were the last few weeks like? Were there warning signs? Were there red flags? What was I feeling? What was I thinking? And then over time, I just started to, I would catch it a little bit sooner each time. And then I'd go, I know this path. I know if I stay on this path and I keep going the way that I'm going, I'm going to be burned out or I'm going to get sick. And then just over time, now I've tracked it back so far that I can feel even just a vibrational drop when I know that if I don't listen to that feeling, 
it will, it'll start to turn into, you know, the kind of scratchy throat or the heavy head feeling. It'll start to turn into some cold symptoms within a couple days if I don't listen. But if I listen to that feeling, it's, it's the most incredible thing. It really feels like gravity just got a little bit heavier. And if I catch that and I give myself the day to do whatever it is that I need. And I also don't stick so strongly to a, to one self-care practice or ritual because it's so different depending on what I'm going through. And sometimes I need to go take a beach day and just be out in the sun and be connected to nature. Sometimes I need to be inside burritoed up in a blanket, reading a book on the couch. Uh, Sometimes I need to go out with a friend and just vent or talk or laugh, uh, have a good time. And that's how I get my kind of energy revitalized. So it really just depends. And I, I pay so much attention to what I crave. And I think that's a really good word I use often in my practice. I ask my clients, well, what are you craving? Because that's what your body is asking for. Right. And then giving yourself the permission to act, to do it. That's the hardest part, <laughs> especially when you have a whole day planned, you have clients or you have work. And that's the most difficult part, I think, is that it's not always convenient. And I think we live in such a society where we have we've cultivated robots. Mm-hmm. We're not allowing people to actually be a human and to realize it's OK to take a mental health day. Or it's okay to realize that I I can't give, you know, 150% today. I can only give 90% today. So we, we don't really give people the space to, yeah, they'd be a human. And I, I think that it's led to this really unrealistic expectation that we can be more flawless than a computer. That's the part that fascinates me. When technology glitches, we so easily just go, oh, technology, it's imperfect. But if a human glitches, <laughs> right. we hold them to it. We do not give them the same forgiveness. Right. Right. And and isn't that amazing? And I know that we had originally planned on on chatting a few weeks ago and we both, you know, came, and it was interesting because it was so, totally in the air that there was a lot of intense energy. And what I thought was just so beautiful is A, your willingness to be open and communicate that with me. And then when you propose that to me that we postpone, I instantly, it was like, again, there was no logic to it. It was all energetics of like, yeah, that feels absolutely right. And I gained so much more respect for you to be able to a be honest about how you were feeling, you know, and then, and then totally to just, to just trust that, that time is on our side, you yeah. know, and timing and- is everything. Yeah. And then, yeah, a couple of weeks ago when I was feeling, um, I don't even know quite what I was feeling, but my body felt like it was shutting down on me. And it was such an unreal experience because I'm overall a very healthy, physical, mental, emotional body. And so for my body to have all these weird symptoms, I was in so much pain and for no particular rhyme or reason, physically anyway, of course, my energetics would say something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it was a, a genuine battle in my head of, okay, I made this commitment to Kema. Uh, my integrity and my honor is telling me to do one thing. And that's a really hard part about setting boundaries for yourself and really honoring your energy and your aura, what's going on in, in your life, is to make the hard decisions. And sometimes that means 
letting go of certain virtues that are important to you, or that means sometimes dishonoring other people, but there is such a way that you can present it. That's very real and genuine and human that actually inspires other people. So I'm really glad that you gave that feedback because I think sometimes, you know, if I were to go, let's say I worked in a big corporation and I were to call into my boss and say, I'm just feeling really down today. I need a day off. I know I have a ton of meetings that are really important, but I just can't do it today. That's a really hard environment to try to, to honor yourself in. If you were to frame it in a different way that gives them almost permission to, it's almost like letting them allow you to be a human and to be a better person for allowing you to be a human. Right. Right. And like, and to what degree would we have to like come up with a story that was somehow validated by the current physical material reality? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So many people just rely on excuses. You know, they find some excuse in the book and, and I don't, thing that really allows you to honor yourself and it keeps us stuck in this system of being robots. Yeah. Being expected to be better than a robot. (laughs) Right. Right. And so, and I'm just curious, you know, what, what, like, I know you, you explore a multitude of, I would just say like modalities or, you know, um, topics under like this umbrella of, of Reiki being what feels like your, your primary offering. I'm just curious, what is it about Reiki that has, you know, kind of left you and it feels like very inspired and devoted to that practice? I find that Reiki really helps people connect with their physical body again because of a couple things. One is the sensations. It's pretty undeniable when you're receiving Reiki. In the beginning, though, I will say this, it can be very subtle, and especially for people who are so disconnected, it can take some time to really connect with energy again, especially if there's just a lot going on in your energy field. You're not going to feel as much, but over time, you'll really start to feel the energy flow as things start to clear. And that is the most rewarding part when people sit up off the table and they go, I felt all of that. I felt tingling in my toes when you were on my head. I felt vibration. I felt like my organs were being rearranged. And what's happening there is they're connecting with their energy. They're feeling themselves again. They're feeling their energy body again. And that is the most rewarding part of it. And then from there, I I incorporate so many other things, crystals, sound, vibration, color and light therapies, all of that's just kind of a cherry on top. But I really like Reiki as a foundation of building that awareness and then also restoring us back to our essentially our original blueprint because how are you supposed to know that you are feeling imbalanced when you don't even know what balance feels like anymore right right because how often do you hear like I, I didn't know how how much I needed that you know or yeah exactly. feeling more like yourself and and just to be able to have that just you know that awareness I think is just is just an ultimate gift because everything, you know, we're doing throughout the day, no matter what our roles are or what we're, you know, what we're doing, it's all an exchange of energy. And, and I think that at least for me, I find that to just be the most empowering way. Like if you don't, I mean, yes, going to receive Reiki or offering Reiki to yourself is is amazing and an amazing reset and an amazing tool in so many ways. I'm sure we could, you know, talk for hours and hours, 
but just even the incorporation of that awareness into the things that you're doing every day is just where I think where the gift lies. It really is. And starting to pay attention to the the subtleties and how easy it can be. That's really what I, I preach so much to just everyone that I speak to. It doesn't have to be hard to honor your energy. Mm-hmm. And I really am an advocate for finding the little simple ways that you can kind of sprinkle mindfulness into your day. Because to tell a mother of three kids or someone who is an entrepreneur and working full time to tell them that they need to carve out all of this time to meditate in the morning and to go on walks out in nature and to ground themselves and to go to a Reiki session every week. Sometimes it's just not logistically feasible. So I really like to find ways that we can sprinkle mindfulness in throughout the day. So even simple things like when you're eating a meal, can you be so mindful and intentional about how many bites you take or how many times you chew or the tastes and the the flavors and the textures and the smell and the colors, but be so encompassed in your senses that it becomes a meditation just to eat your dinner? Yes, I completely agree. Yeah, I, I, I tend to do the same exact thing. Like the, what are the things that you're doing every day? eating, taking a shower and, and let those really be the way in which you fuel yourself energetically. Absolutely. Yeah. And even you know what we were first talking about breathing, mm-hmm. being more connected to your breath, because that's there all the time. Just most of the time it's happening automatically in the background, but every moment that you bring your awareness to your breath, you're bringing your awareness to your body and then thus your energy. Right. And how like so profound and just, you know, I always like what I have kind of found myself doing is even before I'll get out of the car, sometimes, you know, if I'm going from, let's just say I'm going from place to place, just taking one minute to put my hands on my body to just breathe. It it changes the whole experience. It really does. Yeah. Especially if there's any sort of anticipation or you know, or nervousness or whatever, you know, it's like, it's just a time and it's so simple. And then you, and the only way that you'll ever have the proof is by doing it. And, and I think that that's, I think that the more, you know, that just can be kind of reiterated and supported in terms of, yeah, the, the, the simplicity of that. And then in turn, the profound effect that it has on all parts of our being. Yeah. Oh, well, Sarah, it was so nice to talk to you. I know that we could just keep on chatting away about energy. I know that we're both so passionate about it, <laughs> sharing it and, you know, exploring it. And, you know, cause ultimately it's just so, it's just never ending and keeps life. I think really interesting when we're able to explore ourselves and then offer that for others, um, in this way. So I would love um, for you just to share about where people can find you. I know you have a physical location in San Diego, but then also, um, you know, online and any any upcoming, you know, projects or events that you'd like to um, give a shout out to. Absolutely. So I have uh, a wellness center in Mission Valley. Uh, and we actually have just opened up another treatment room. Uh, I've brought on some other healers to the team who are absolutely phenomenal. So it's been absolutely incredibly work, incredible working with each of them and their own unique gifts. Uh, so we do private sessions uh, for Reiki, crystal therapy, sound healing. We also have quantum resonance, which is 
a phenomenal system. It incorporates color, light, sound, and vibration all into one system. It's like a deep flush. If you think Reiki is intense, yeah, <laughs> you'd experience this. It was next next level. Can't tell you exactly, really but <laughs> no, it is, it's it's definitely to experience. I highly recommend it. And then uh, I also do lots of different group workshops. Uh, some people resonate a little bit more with that, whether it's being in a group Reiki healing or a sound bath or Reiki yoga. I do all sorts of different events, but also educational workshops. I love teaching. That's something I've been putting a lot more of my energy and bandwidth towards is hosting different group uh, trainings like uh, crystal gridding or crystal therapy, introduction to astrology. Uh, I also host Reiki trainings. Uh, it's a little bit more than Reiki. The system of Reiki is pretty simple. So I incorporate a lot of energy medicine into it, uh, and use that kind of as a, a way to take Reiki to the next level. I have online courses, um, and then the level two training will be coming out really soon. I've been doing level one. I've been working on level two for probably about two and a half years now, and it's going to go so deep into a lot more than Reiki and even a lot more than energy medicine. It's starting to get more into the, the metaphysics and archangel work. And it's, yeah, it's been such a fun journey putting all of that together. So if anybody's interested, uh, you can check out my website, ReikiofSanDiego.com. Or you can reach out to me directly, call, text, or email uh, 858-224-0551. Or you can find all that information on my website, too, how to email me directly. But I'd love to chat whether you have questions or are just interested, curious. Clearly, you can tell I love talking about it. Oh, and I just love talking with you. And so I'm just super grateful that you made the time to, to chat and share, you know, your personal experience and then your, you know, your inspired professional work as well. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Kima. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Honor Your Aura podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did, please leave a review and share with your friends because I want you to be the start of the ripple that allows others to honor and empower the energy that lies within.